ability to make this into something really big. It's just a matter of how, how bad do you want it. That's Julie Podolik of Modern Pop, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Hey guys, I'm your host, Cara Duffy, and this is the Powerful Ladies Podcast, where I invite my favorite humans, the awesome, the up to something, and the extraordinary to come and share their story. I hope that you'll be left entertained, inspired, and moved to take action towards living your most powerful life. Julie is the bubbly, energetic co-founder and chief marketing officer of The Modern Pop, a Laguna Beach-based frozen fruit bar company. A New York transplant, she started the company with her husband after making healthy frozen treat options in her kitchen for her son. On this episode, she talks about what she loves about the business she founded, what it looks like to be fearless in making new connections, and life as an entrepreneur mom. All that coming up, but first... Hey guys, did you know that there is a way that you can show Powerful Ladies some real love? You can be a patron of the Powerful Ladies podcast. Go to patreon.com forward slash Powerful Ladies. There are over six choices for you to figure out how you would like to support us. From $5 all the way up to unicorn support. Really, that's what it's called. You can be a Powerful Lady unicorn. Who doesn't want to be that? The great part is... By your contributions, you get more cool, free stuff and access to new and exclusive opportunities. Everything from hidden podcast to free merch to free coaching. What? You can be a unicorn and get free coaching or win a trip to LA paid for by us. That sounds amazing. You want a hug, don't you? So go and support Powerful Ladies on Patreon today. Thank you. All right. Well, hi. Welcome to the Powerful Ladies Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Yeah, I'm excited too. Um, let's start. Um, introduce yourself and say like who you are and what you're up to. Yeah, my name is Julie Podolik. I'm with the Modern Pop Fruit-Based Foods Company located here in Laguna Beach, California. And Modern Pop is um, a consumer product. It's a fruit-based foods company. Like I said, we're really focused within the frozen aisles right now. So really exciting stuff. Yes. And most people have probably seen your brand based on the awesome popsicles that you make. Yeah. We actually like to call them fruit bars for very Excuse specific. Me. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> back it up. No, <laughs> so we're, yeah, we're really excited um, to be bringing, you know, a clean label, simple ingredient, frozen fruit bar to the market. Um, we actually started the company back in 2013. So it's been a little bit of time, but we've grown from a cold plate push cart in Laguna Beach um, with kind of just a vision of a California fruit brand. And we've grown it to a national brand. So we're really excited to, to be able to share the story with you guys. Well, and when you say that you had a push cart, like you were legitimately standing on the street in Laguna Beach with a frozen cart selling your fruit bars. No, you better believe it. And I'm still pushing, but I'm not pushing the cart. We're just pushing <laughs> the brand. So, yeah, it, very grassroots kind of approach to, um, you know, building a company, but everything always happens from, you know, out of a need and what we needed at the time. So. Yeah. And the need that you were trying to fill was a healthy, delicious snack for your kids, right? Exactly. Yep. At the time I only had one. Now we have two, but at the time, 
you know, our son was going through teething and I was a first time mom and just couldn't find anything um, within the grocery aisles that I felt comfortable giving him. And, um, you know, that was about four to five years ago. And so really it was just me going home with my, you know, kitchen made blender, very, very simple. I'm not at all a culinary expert and just starting to kind of improvise on, on what I thought would be, you know, a good concoction of, of a simple ingredient fruit bar, which obviously is fruit. And that's really what was lacking, you know, in the ingredient sets uh, within the frozen aisle at the time. It's definitely one of those food categories where I think back to what we ate as kids and I'm horrified by the fact that there wasn't anything in them other than water and sugar. Um, and so I'm really glad that there are whole nutrition, like frozen snacks that we can now have, yours being one of them. Because, um, you know, it's one of those areas where people don't think a lot about what's going into like a quick frozen treat or a dessert. And then to, when you do start to investigate it, it's pretty scary that a lot of them are not only sugar and water, but lots of artificial junk. Exactly. And I think people just don't necessarily really take the time to to investigate. And I think that, you know, more so with today's generation, um, you know, people really are starting to look. And so to have, you know, other options and there's been, you know, more more choices kind of flooding that specific area since five years ago. But, you know, back five years ago, it was really incredible to see, you know, these big Titan CPG companies and, and what was actually in the bars that they were selling to people. And, and, you know, nobody had any other choice except to make them at home. And so, you know, our real purpose for being is to kind of bridge that gap of, you know, having to make them at home. You know, our whole motto is kind of trying to make them as close to homemade as possible. Mm-hmm. And your journey did not start in Laguna Beach. So um, I believe you were born in New Jersey. Is that correct? Yes. Full on, full on New Jersey girl. And I think, um, you know, a lot of our brand essence really captures that Southern California cultural kind of um, vibe and, and culture of the bright colors and the clean label and that that inspiration behind, you know, what we're trying to do. But yet we are from the East Coast. And and uh, we moved here from New York City, actually, but I'm originally from New Jersey, and um, that's where I was raised. And so I, I do think that not being from California and kind of representing this California brand really gave us insight to, um, you know, how we see it mm-hmm. uh, coming from the East Coast, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it's often easier to tell a story that you um, aren't originally a part of. So when you look back at your career and your life before starting Modern Pop, is it something that you would have expected or predicted to happen? Um, Not at all. However, I think my role within the company today um, is very reflective of who I am as a person, and it really leans on my strengths. Um, And, you know, my previous occupations have always kind of been in design and um, and sales. So that's really where my strength is. I love selling. And when I, when I can get behind something, um, obviously if it's my own and, and my own brand, um, I, I just really enjoy those face-to-face relationships and maintaining, um, maintaining those relationships and building, building out other ones. And, and I think it's so important in any type of occupation that you have uh, to really understand what you're selling, why you're selling it, and if you don't have passion behind what you're selling, nobody else is going to want to be a part of it. So I think all of those things, you know, mixed in one really 
play a big role, you know, in our company and what we're trying to what we're trying to do. It's not like we're just trying to sell another product. This is really selling a passion and there's a real story behind it to be able to communicate that. Mm -hmm. A lot of people find sales super intimidating. Um, What is it about it that you love and and how have you like, were there any challenges that you had when you first started that you had to overcome? To be honest, it's it's the only thing that really drives me is to be able to share the story. I mean, if I could go on TV in front of the entire world, like I don't have, um, I mean, of course, there's, you know, some type of fear if it was the entire world, but um, <laughs> I don't have, you know, I think when you really believe in something and you, um, you see its future and you see, you know, where you want it to be and you believe in it that much. I don't, um, I, I don't get nervous. I think that, you know, I always think of every single person that I approach as just another human. They probably have a family of their own. You know, they might be the CEO of, of a huge company, but yet, you know, it took them many different steps to get there. You know, nobody gets anywhere without working really hard. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I think that when you can find, you know, specific points that might not necessarily be about work, but yet, you know, make things a little bit more personal. I think it just breaks the barrier. And I think there's just, um, you know, many people are very professional. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that there's something to be said for bringing in that, you know, personal with professional and being able to balance both so people really see who you are as a human and, you know, what you're all about and why you're so passionate rather than just trying to sell, you know, flat item. Yeah, because there's so much more to selling than just closing the deal. It is to your point, building those relationships and really being genuinely interested and curious about the people that you're working with. Um, And I I think like if anyone's a people person, that's why sales can be so um, like a source of income that energizes you because you do just get to spend your time telling the story of your product and your brand with people and also hearing theirs, like knowing how you can contribute to whatever game they're up to. Yeah, exactly. And I think putting yourself in their shoes and understanding that, you know, at the end of the day, even though they might like me as a person, I mean, the product has to sell. And so, you know, how are we going to be adding value to their sets? And if something's not working, how are we going to quickly change that to be able to adapt and, you know, bring them the most, um, you know, sales within their own sets? Because at the end of the day, you know, that's really what everyone is trying to achieve is, you know, higher and higher sales and, you know, making their customers satisfied and having other options. And um, and so I think it's really making sure they understand that this is, you know, it's, it's, it's all about being a team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you're not, if you're not providing that to them, um, you know, then it's just another salesperson to your point. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I love about um, you and how you are, you know, pitching your brand and introducing you to people is that you use LinkedIn so much. That's actually how I found you. And it was crazy because you had posted something on LinkedIn months ago about who wants to know more about modern pop. Here's my email. And you don't see people who are running a company giving their email away to the general public very often. And all of your like ads and you do such a great job of, of promoting it in LinkedIn, which people don't often think of as a place to 
pitch ideas and build community, but it really is amazing for B2B type of work. And so I screenshotted that post you did and put it away. And then you were always on my list to just reach out to as another powerful lady and see if being a guest would make sense. And literally the day that I finally send you the email, you had messaged me. And I was like, no <laughs> way, no way. Yeah. Um, what what made you do that? Like, how did, how did this happen from your perspective? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, I really feel like I was on the pulse of LinkedIn like a year prior to kind of where it is today. And I think that more and more, um, you know, whether it's CEOs or just, you know, heads of marketing are really trying to understand it now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it is the most powerful social media tool out there. Um, and I say that because, you know, Instagram, you post something and it's fed to the people that follow you. Yeah. On LinkedIn, you, you post something and if people like it, all of their people that they're connected to are going to like it. So the more followers you have and the more people that are kind of liking it and commenting, it's not just getting commented and forgotten about, it's getting commented on and it's getting pushed out to their, you know, 20,000 connections, or let's say it's even 500 connections, but it kind of creates, you know, so much more uh, value than just, you know, flat posts and having it kind of drive through social media. I also think that LinkedIn is so underutilized in the sense that, you know, I have premium And so we pay, I think it's like $59 a month or something, but it gives you inbox, you know, inbox messaging and inbox messaging is so amazing because, you know, like I said, I don't have any fear of really reaching out to people. I think, you know, the worst case scenario, you know, they don't get back to me, but if they don't get back to me, I'm going to probably ping them again. So (laughs) I think that, or definitely, I really think (laughs) exactly. And I think, I really think that it just enables you to, go in there and let's say I really wanted to find a buyer of, you know, X retailer. So then I do my own research on Google, you know, who's the buyer of X retailer. Mm -hmm. And then I go into LinkedIn, I put in that buyer's name and all of a sudden there's that buyer and I see, you know, his or her face and I can just go ahead and inbox them. So instead of me trying to figure out what their email is, the inbox allows for me to just go directly into their email. They see it. And then they see a snapshot of me. So it's more personal. They see the snapshot of me, our story. They see my LinkedIn page. And then they start to investigate. And I can see that they're investigating because I can see who's viewed my profile. And so Mm -hmm. once I see that, then it's like this rhythm of like, oh, you know, that person definitely looked at my profile just like you, you know? So I saw that you had looked at my profile and I was like, oh my gosh, a powerful ladies podcast. Like I want to be on this. So that's why I reached out to you. And so I think it's really... um, I think that for building a business, it's been our number one asset. I think less so with consumers. Um, I mm-hmm. think that that's kind of what we're doing right now is we're kind of refocusing on Instagram and Facebook and really building out more consumer-based loyalty. Um, but for building the business and for that brand awareness within your, within your segment and within your industry, it is phenomenal. And I do think that more and more people... Um, are now are now turning to it for that specific reason. I'm taking um, a class right now about um, kind of website and blog optimization. And so far, it's worth every penny, which is like $400. So it's really a low level investment for what I'm getting. But one of the big things that we're talking about on it is how 
We talk so much about Instagram and Facebook, and in reality, it's not driving the traffic to you as a company as it used to because you don't own the groups. And the way they've changed the algorithms, it's so hard for the people that you want to see your things to see it unless you're paying for things, which... Um, can be really challenging because you're always like playing with the demographics and like, do I push this episode or that one? And the two that they recommended, which I've been leaning into myself right now, and I'm really curious what's going to happen. And I think would be amazing for you guys is Pinterest and YouTube, because they really (laughs) allow you to control the audience that you are connecting with and to keep driving everybody back to you. Um, Mm -hmm. so I don't know if you've gone down that alley at all, but, um, I really think it's interesting how it gives entrepreneurs more freedom to like maintain and keep and talk directly to who they want to from a consumer Mm -hmm. perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I think that, you know, more and more, like to your point, I kind of utilized myself in the beginning because I Mm -hmm. think, you know, how do you create differentiation? You know, we have a fruit bar and there's other fruit bars in the market you know, and I love being in the spotlight and I love sharing the story. And so I started to utilize myself. And I think that when you can do that effectively and you can ping people constantly day by day, I think that's why my following on LinkedIn grew, you know, so fast. And mm-hmm. I think we had really great growth. But the minute I've slowed down, like, you know, because we've been really busy the last couple of weeks, you know, the algorithms go off. Yeah. So you have to, you know, I think it's all about that consistency and also the visibility as far as, you know, the video content. I think mm-hmm. video content is key. Um, but, you know, it's it's a ton of constant work and output. And um, to your point, you know, all the paid ads, everything on, on uh, Instagram and Facebook. I mean, it's just a lot to figure out. So you really have to, I think, think about what is the best platform for what you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And after um, we met for coffee a couple of weeks ago, I took your LinkedIn advice and I started reaching out to people even without the paid version. And it became even more challenging because I had to basically enroll them to accept me as a contact and want to know mm-hmm. more about Powerful Ladies in like a tweet size comment. Because <laughs> they often yeah. that thing, like when you connect with somebody, like, do you want to add a note? And so I would click that and I have to be like, okay, how do I say let's be friends in a hundred characters go. And it's blown my mind. It's just like you said it would like people are saying, yes. I'm like, Holy smokes. Julie's magic. (laughs) Pure magic, obviously. No, (laughs) always. But yeah, I mean, I think you have to throw it out there. I mean, and I've gotten through to some amazing executives that I never imagined I'd get through to. And I think that that fueled me more Mm -hmm. because you see that, oh my gosh, you know, people are actually, whether or not they get back to you, I know that they're getting it. And so if they don't get back to me this week, I can just circle back with them in two weeks. Maybe they're too busy that specific day. You also have to think like people are busy. It's not necessarily a reflection of they're not interested. It's just maybe they put it to the side and they forgot about it. Oh yeah. I mean, even people that I am already in contact with, there was a meme going around where it's like text messages, either I get back to you immediately or in three to five weeks. And I'm like, yep. Like <laughs> people are horrified when they see not like how many unopened emails I have, but how many unread text messages I have. Um, <laughs> but because I used to open them all right away and then never remember to go back. So now I don't, right. I don't open a text message if I know I can't respond in that moment. Um, right. Which is a hard discipline because you're so curious what people are saying, but I really had to be better yeah. about it because I was just forgetting or losing a text message forever into the abyss. 
Right. Everybody can see everything, mm-hmm. what everybody's doing. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you guys have had phenomenal growth in the four years that you've been in existence. What do you think really propelled you from the beginning? And what would you do differently if you were starting over again? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had phenomenal growth. I mean, we, as far as, you know, our store sets, uh, and that kind of goes back to sales, um, we grew from, you know, a cold plate push cart. Well, we grew from actually my kitchen made, you know, blender. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we went to the cold plate push cart. Um, and I, I think that really was where the essence of kind of this California inspired fruit brand kind of stemmed from. I mean, nothing's changed from our core values. Um, you know, the logo, kind of the retro apron, that whole kind of mid-century marketing piece, which I really think defines, you know, who we are, mm-hmm. um, you know, to the consumer and kind of separates us. And then, truthfully, you know, that first summer, we were selling the bars. We were getting amazing reception. I think that consumers not only liked, you know, the clean, simple ingredients from the push cart, but they enjoyed the experience. It was nostalgic. It was kind of reminiscent of simpler times. Um, You know, everybody, including your grandparents, our kids, everybody understands what a fruit bar is. It's not like we were reinventing. It's not like we were inventing a new thing. We were just reinventing something that was. Um, And so we got a call that summer from... Whole Foods Market. And when they could buy locally, that was kind of the first retailer that pulled us in. So, you know, at the time, we were really just thinking about it as, you know, something we really enjoyed doing. I really loved, you know, talking to people, selling it. Then we got pulled in from Whole Foods Market. Um, Not long after that, Costco actually called us. And when Costco called us, it really enabled us as a company to kind of look at, um, you know, what we were doing and where we wanted to go and if we wanted to bring this this actual product and brand into the marketplace, because that's a great opportunity, obviously. And mm-hmm. so it enabled us to scale the company and move, you know, myself from a little kitchen making the bars into a co-packing facility and really scaling the company and getting taken more seriously from other retailers. So it allowed for myself to go out and market which I love doing and sell, which I love doing into other retailers alongside being in Costco. And so that's really exactly what we did. We went from, you know, zero stores to about 900 stores. And then last year we expanded into about 2,800 stores and brought it to the East coast. Um, And so, you know, I think, I think that I would never do anything differently because I think everything, you know, is laid out for Mm -hmm. a reason um, but that being said, I think that, you know, brand awareness at that young of, uh, of you know, going from a cold tape push cart into um, Whole Foods Market into Costco. So we wouldn't necessarily, I mean, I don't believe in, you know, retracing the history of what was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, that, but that being said, I think, you know, as you build a brand, you know, especially when it's your first foods company and you're learning the industry um, and the business kind of as you go, I think that, you know, we figured things out and we adjusted. And so I think that that's a huge component of any um, newer emerging brand is, you know, if something's not working, try and fix it and try and fix it, you know, fast because you have, you know, limited time. So if, you know, our price point was five ninety nine launching and that might work, you know, at a Whole Foods market, but we saw, you know, within other, um, within other space and, and in the freezer, in the freezer uh, aisles, you know, it's so competitive that, you have to be able to play with the other, with the other, um, with the other brands that are sitting alongside you. So four ninety nine mm-hmm. would make better sense. So it's really like 
you know, we looked at the space and figuring out like not only the promotions, but also that brand awareness key and, and figuring out how can we, uh, you know, let our consumer and make our consumer more aware of who we are and why they want us comparatively against other brands. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, even in the podcasting space, you know, you think the biggest first hurdle is like getting in the door or getting the phone call or getting them to say yes to, you know, taking the fruit bars or to be on the podcast. And you realize that that's not the the mountain. That's like the first leg of the trail. Because once they're a yes, it opens the door for the 800 other steps that have to come after that to like really make it work, the sell through and customers knowing about it. Like it, um, the one door that you focus so much on at first really is just step one, not the, not the end goal. Exactly. And I think that's really where like the heavy lifting comes in. And, you know, the longer that you're in the business, the more you obviously understand, the more you study and analyze, you know, other competitors and what they're doing and what's working and what's not working and just translating and kind of tweaking that message messaging until your consumer really understands, you know, what's, what's the difference and why are you going to pay, you know, 50 cents more for our product versus the next. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to your point, it's not about necessarily the sales and getting into those sets. It's about really maintaining and understanding, you know, how you're going to be competitive and, and hold that shelf space. Yeah. One of the things I find really fascinating about you is how natural it seems from the outside for you to be an entrepreneur. Like there, like you really get that you love the marketing and the sales and it seems that, you know, just the whole experience, I see more joy and excitement about what you're creating over any fears that might come up as an entrepreneur. Is that, uh, you know, has this how you've always been? Like, even as a kid, like, would you be starting your own things or creating things? Um, What's been past experiences that besides marketing and sales that have prepared you for this? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think truthfully, it kind of comes down to the person that you are. I mean, it's it's not glamorous. I mean, I make it like, you know, I love to put on like the show and, you know, the high heels and the smile and the sunshine of California. <laughs> but I mean, behind the scenes, obviously, it's not glamorous. I mean, it is it is full on grit and it is um, exhausting and it is such a sacrifice. I mean, we have two kids. I mean, this is something that, you know, we started and they've grown with. And so it's like our third child that never sleeps. Um, and I think that as a, as a person in general, I'm an optimist. I'm always an optimist. You know, I don't think about the negatives. I think that, you know, things happen, you change, you adjust, you try the best you can and you move forward. And I think that my parents really were a big part of, you know, who I am in general. And I think that, you know, my mom has always kind of just said, you know, Julie, push forward, move forward, don't think about the past, you know, take and learn from it and, you know, just be a trailblazer. And I think that um, that's not to say, you know, my, my husband, you know, who I work with is way more of a realist. And so I think you have to have that balance. I mean, if it was my company, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I'd be giving out fruit bars for free, but you know, (laughs) I'm, I'm a very, um, I'm a very, excited person to be doing what we're doing and given the opportunity. I mean, think about how many people would just kill to, to have a company and to be able to, to actually start something. I mean, it is not easy. And so I feel, I feel very proud of what we've done, but you know, I know there's so much more to accomplish. And so, you know, it's, it's just, I think who I am 
um, to be able to, you know, keep really positive, you know, think of all the good and try and, you know, tweak, you know, what needs to be tweaked and, and really move the ball forward every day. Yeah. And you mentioned it, that you guys have two kids and your husband is your co-founder and partner. Um, and he's also working another job, right? Like he still has a day job in addition to helping with modern pop, right? He does. And we have like, an ama- I mean, we've really been fortunate to have identified really amazing partners and team. And, you know, we've really built out this infrastructure where, you know, our logistics, our supply chain, our accounting, you know, everything is so buttoned up. Um, and, you know, every kind of emerging brand has, you know, things that aren't perfect, but I will say like our entire team and back and kind of the, the things that go on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. um, you know, we could not have been, I don't want to say more lucky, but I think it's really surrounding yourself with, um, you know, industry professionals that have done it before that understand what you're doing. So you just don't make, you make the least amount of mistakes as possible. Mm-hmm. How has your life changed besides, you know, having to juggle everything. Um, but what have been the other changes to your life since you started the company? I think that, um, you know, I really think it kind of makes you see what's important. I mean, I think that, you know, there is no balance. I mean, let's just be honest. I I think that, you know, I can put, I can, I can put it away in my back pocket, but it still is sitting in my back pocket. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as the brand goes, you know, I watch, you know, my kids' baseball games and my daughter, but it's really a part of who we are and what we're doing. And we're really trying to obviously, you know, grow this company. Um, and so, you know, as far as, as far as it, I think it really makes you see that there's a huge opportunity. I feel like we're really a part of this, um, this movement of better for you. It's amazing that we're a player and we're in this space. And it also is amazing that, you know, I used to, go on planes and read, you know, Us Weekly and just like, just, I don't want to say garbage, but, you know, just gossip and things that don't really matter. And it would kind of be like timeless. Like it would just Mm -hmm. be a waste of, of my time. And now every single thing that I do with my spare time, you know, I mean, of course there's, you know, friends and, um, you know, health and exercise and all of those good things. But everything that I do is really driven towards you know, getting this brand to the next level. So I find joy in that. I really do. I Mm -hmm. find joy in, you know, sitting on LinkedIn and figuring it out because it's just, it fuels me and it never has not. And so I think that it just has made me understand that, you know, I have the ability to make this into something really big. It's just a matter of how, how bad do you want it? Yeah. Really. And, and how much time are you going to put into it? And I don't think it's necessarily a sacrifice because I've learned so much Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I actually like read some of my old emails and I'm like, oh my gosh, how could I ever say that? That sounds so, you know, what am I saying? <laughs> um, so you grow, you know, and I think it's an amazing thing. And, and really it's only been like four or five years of my entire life. And I feel really thankful that I've been able to, you know, kind of, I mean, do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. How, how is the transition going from New York to Laguna Beach? Yeah, I mean, we've been out here now for about seven, seven or eight years, which is nuts. Um, but, you know, I think that so much of our being here has been, you know, getting married, having our kids, and then the business. And it's been a total whirlwind, but it's all good things. And mm-hmm. so I feel really grateful for that. 
Um, I think that, you know, very much appreciative of the weather and the lifestyle and, uh, you know, just really enjoying, um, you know, being given this opportunity. And so, you know, we love it out here. We do, we do think of ourselves as East Coasters still. I mean, mm-hmm. I've always thought that we were going to have like a lot of land and then, you know, the farm, like lots of, I'm a country, like I love living in the country. I love, you know, old winding roads where you can kind of go back roading and it's a very different lifestyle here. Um, so I appreciate both. I think it gives you perspective for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, um, I miss the East Coast from like September through the holidays. And then I'm really happy I live here January, February, March, and April. <laughs> but I do miss yeah. like the, I miss fall. I miss the season, the holidays on the East Coast because there's so much about the weather that makes it feel like it's the season to me. And I still haven't mm-hmm. gotten over that. And I've been here about the same time as you guys. And um, I still, like when Halloween comes, I'm always like, wait, it's too warm. Like we're probably still in August. Like it's not, it can't be happening yet. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I'm definitely with you. I love the fall. Yeah. And I think there's something nice about like having to stay in because there's a huge snowstorm. I mean, maybe like once or twice, but you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of nice to have that family feel of being, you know, around a fire or, you know, being inside and gathering, you know, rather than constantly being outside on the go. Um, so there's, you know, there's good to both for sure. Yeah. I was just in Portland and talking with a lot of people who almost everyone had moved from somewhere else. Even the people who are from Portland had gone to different places and come back. And we were having a really interesting conversation. It was our Powerful Ladies of Portland meetup about what it means to be, um, you know, a career woman today and most likely having to move, whether it's for school or work or your partner's job and how those experiences mm-hmm. really change Um who you are, not, not in the bad way, but just like really give you a different perspective and experiences. And, um, anyone who's thinking about it, I just really recommend go for it because you can always go home. You can always go back to, um, what you find more comfortable. And there's also a chance you Mm -hmm. find a place that really suits you, um, better that you never would have expected. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think that, you know, I still have friends that live back east that are in the exact same town which is which is great but I also think it's nice to have perspective because it makes you appreciate whatever it is that you appreciate that much more Mm -hmm. yeah do you guys get back to New York and the east coast um regularly um I would say about maybe twice a year we definitely try to get back around the holidays and then um maybe around the fall sometimes but I mean, it's been hard the last couple of years just with, you know, the young kids and the business. Um, But we try definitely to go back and see family and, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. What a lot of people don't know is, um, you know, you think of Laguna Beach and you think of either um, the OC from MTV or, you know, Laguna Beach, the um, TV show that was on as well. Um, Mm -hmm. but there's really a lot of entrepreneurs and artisan and craftspeople that are there. And it's part of the, the, what makes Laguna Beach unique versus maybe other cities in Orange County. Have you found Mm -hmm. that being based in Laguna Beach has been a benefit for your company and being an entrepreneur based out of there? I mean, I definitely think, you know, moving from New York city to, um, being in Laguna and being in Southern California, I think, 
in general, it's just amazing to your point to see like, you know, when you're in New York, all of my friends are like in the banking industry. And if like nobody's an entrepreneur that I knew, at least I'm sure there are obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, when you're in these small pocket towns in Southern California, it is, it is so inspiring to see, oh, what do you do? Oh, I started a clothing company or, you know, oh, I started, you know, a pottery. I mean, the craftsmanship, the kind of eccentric way of thinking of, you know, whatever your hobby is and really doing your passion and doing it well. And it's kind of more out of the box thinking, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm just saying that because I, I feel like I've seen that and it's not that like one size fits all, like everybody's in the finance industry. And I think that there's more, um, definitely more diversity in that, in that, in that way, for Mm -hmm. sure. Now that you are, um, running this business, has it changed who you look to for, um, mentorship or inspiration? And what are some of those people that really inspire you? Um, I definitely, I definitely think that, you know, if you can find what, whatever it is that you really enjoy doing and you're able to do that, it's the most inspiring thing ever. I mean, like I said, like I'm really the sales and marketing piece of modern pop and the brand ambassador and I'm full on an obsessed person with the company (laughs) and I'm ready to get on the mountains and scream it. But I mean, I, I truly am inspired by my husband. I think he's a phenomenal, obviously not only person and husband, but, you know, to be able to, to be able to really build, I mean, he's a big piece of the back end and to be able to really build that out and, you know, have full focus on, um, you know, bottom line and top line and the entire kind of business piece of it while being a dad, while being my husband and kind of keeping it all together. I'm Mm -hmm. fully inspired um, by him, you know, within the actual consumer industry, there's many, many people and um, leaders that have, you know, inspired me just within the industry. Um, But I think that, I think that, you know, more than anything, reading, like I've done so much reading. I think that the more you can read about the industry and what's working and what's not and thought leadership and going to these conventions with, you know, these amazing thought leaders, um, it's given me a lot more information and different perspective of ways of thinking about our brand. And so that's been really inspiring as well. Yeah, I, I really find joy, which is, of course, why I'm doing this podcast as well. But hearing other people's stories and what they're doing and how they get there, um, I always get energized coming back from a conference or listening to a podcast. And especially when you're with people, like at a trade show or something, and you can see how many other people are hustling alongside you that you normally wouldn't interact with and the passion Mm -hmm. that people have for the industry you're in or the people who are trying to, you know, offer, you know, symbiotic services and things that really help boost each other. It's so great to see like this hive of energy and that there's so much Mm -hmm. more possible than you see as a consumer in that space. Yeah. And I think that there's like really high highs and really low lows. I mean, it's like, it's such an exhilarating journey. And I think that you just have to appreciate it for what it is at the time. Um, And I think, you know, without anything being hard, 
I mean, if something's not hard, it's not as enjoyable. It's kind of like, like the biggest joys in life come from, you know, not being defeated, but overcoming and, you know, really figuring it out. And, you know, if everybody emailed me back, this would be like super boring and everyone would win. (laughs) So it's kind of this like exhausting, um, but exhilarating and addicting. It's like full on addictive lifestyle. And so it's kind of, you know, you have to be able to take breaks like, like we were talking about, but Mm -hmm. it's also just like, anything is possible. And I, I just see all of these like leaders and CEOs and people that have built amazing companies and sold them. And, you know, they are, they all started somewhere, you know, they didn't just like jump into that spot in life. So you have to remember that, you know, great things come with great work and good choices. And, and so just to keep that ball rolling forward. And I think so many people get so discouraged and, you know, might not have that confidence to, you know, pull them up from hard times or, you know, move forward and they only see kind of the negative. And I think that's really um, what a lot of people in the industry probably suffer with. Yeah. And and on a recent podcast that we recorded, we were talking about how if you are leaning in on what you're meant to do or a path that is, is for you in that moment, it shouldn't show up as, as hard as it does for some people. Like, I think you're a really great example of, yes, it's hard work. Yes, there's a lot of work and being on the ground and making phone calls and making things happen that you're doing, but you are getting so much from it. Like it's energizing you to keep coming back and keep doing it. And I think sometimes people get stuck on one idea or really attached to like one business idea they had or one plan. And if it feels like you just keep hitting a wall, like sometimes you are. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's a great moment to like step back, reassess, maybe get even a coach or somebody in the industry to like talk to you about it because um, there could be something else that's very similar or, or close to what you're doing or a small tweak that really allows it to open up and for there to be a little bit more ease or at least energy coming back to you in what you're creating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think people like everyone sees your business in a different light than you do. And you're in it every single day. So to get that outside advice and expertise and different opinion is so, is so vital, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are you guys creating um, right now? And what are you excited that's coming out next for Modern Pop? So, drum roll. I mean, we're super excited. <laughs> so we have, so we had, like we started with, well, actually, in the beginning, we started with very eccentric, weird, like not weird flavors, but unique. So watermelon, cilantro, raspberry, ginger. And that was when we were selling out of the push cart. So that was way back when. Then we saw over and over again, strawberry lemonade sells the most. So it kind of, you know, looking at overall data, your mm-hmm. core simple flavors always sell the most. So we had strawberry lemonade, pineapple, and raspberry pomegranate. And those were our three. Then we added in three more. So we have a line of six, which takes up a full shelf. Um, so we added in fruit punch, tropical, and mango. Um, and so we have a full six set of the frozen novelty bars. Um, frozen novelties are growing. There is, you know, a lot of different people within the space now, way more than there was four to five years ago. Um, and time and time again, you know, I am all about health and wellness, but I'm also like, I'm also, I will raise my hand. I'm a Ben and Jerry's girl. Like I, mm-hmm. I have a full addiction. <laughs> um, however, you know, every woman and every 
every person is always watching, you know, their sugar content. I mean, not everybody, but you know, there's a big, uh, there's a big segment of people that that understand and want to watch, you know, what they're putting in their bodies. And so I constantly have been figuring out, you know, how can we make modern pop more indulgent, but kind of keep to our fruit first idea, um, and, you know, keep core to who we are and what we're all about, which is a California fruit company. And I struggled with it for a really long time because to, to be- come up with something creamy and indulgent, I mean, we can't use dairy. You know, we obviously are non-dairy, um, vegan, non-GMO. And so more recently, we started having our innovation team play around with coconut, but that's been done, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so here we are again, you know, adding into what's been done. And then we were thinking, okay, well, we don't want to do dairy. Maybe there's, you know, almond milk or whatnot. So we were trying all these different things. And then I was thinking there's got to be a fruit and I'm not a banana person in general. So, you know, we kind of had that thought and then moved forward. And then we had to, we thought, you know, how can we bridge the gap between health and indulgence? So avocado, a fruit, avocado, really heart healthy fats, low in sugar, makes for an amazing avocado ice cream novelty bar. So Mm. the idea behind this is it's an avocado base, but it's not just avocado. It's avocado oil as well. So it does has no avocado taste to it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. I mean, you would be shocked, but to take this new twist on an old classic. So traditional ice cream flavors. So mint trip, chocolate fudge, and cookies and dreams. And so those are kind of like the three top traditional ice cream flavors that everybody loves and to spin them with a non-dairy vegan option. And so we're launching these three avocado based ice cream bars in about two weeks with about six divisions of Kroger. So we're really excited. This is like an exclusive kind of launch for this, you know, as we're rolling into summer, Um, but we're thrilled to be bringing kind of a first to market, you know, it's been done before avocado ice cream has been done at home. It's a huge thing within kind of the vegan community, but it's an amazing alternative to dairy. It's an amazing alternative to, you know, what's been done, coconut, banana. Um, and so, you know, to be able to kind of bridge that gap and satisfy your cravings. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily, you know, super, I mean, it's, it's still an indulgent thing. Um, but it's more creamy and it's satisfying and it's more ice cream like rather than having just a fruit based novelty. So really excited to be launching those that's upcoming. And yeah, we've really had our heads down working on that for a really long time. Um, but we've been able to really execute on the idea and excited to launch into market. I'm really excited that you're launching these because as someone who's lactose intolerant, I'm always looking for like satisfying that craving. Like I was also so thrilled when Ben and Jerry's came out with their dairy-free options. Um, But Mm -hmm. I still have many panic attacks about how much sugar I just ate and just how much other non-dairy junk (laughs) I still was eating in that pint. Um, So to have alternatives that, you know, do check more of the health-conscious boxes, I'm thrilled about. And I've also done, like you said, some home-based avocado frozen desserts before. So I'm really excited to taste what you guys have put together. Yeah, no, we're really excited. I mean, and it took a lot of iterating and uh, the flavors are phenomenal. I mean, you can't taste the avocado at all. And, And I think that, you know, the way that we positioned it, 
um, and the way that it's marketed, you know, it says avocado based, but it has, you know, that fresh branding of the essence of kind of this new twist old classic, the California brand. Mm -hmm. And then on the back of the box, it's all about truth or dare, like truth. The truth is, you know, traditional ice cream is made up of, you know, sugar, dairy and fats. Mm-hmm. But our ice cream is basically, you know, a spin on that. So better for you fat, really low sugar, about seven grams per bar. Um, That's really low. Just, you know, better heart healthy, seven to 10 grams. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a good kind of 2.3 ounce. It's a smaller, a smaller bar too. So it's not like you're overindulging, which is kind of the purpose of more like snacking. And in the event somebody eats a whole box on their own, we're not going to shame them. We will not shame. <laughs> we encourage. Um, for somebody who is thinking about creating their own food product, what would be your advice to them and where would you recommend they start? My advice would be, you know, don't get into it unless it's something that you truly believe in. Because I think that, you know, it's so um, it's so evident in today's consumer if it's, you know, if it's being pushed by a big corporate company versus being pushed for a real reason and a real belief. And I think that, you know, so many people, you know, think, Oh, I'm just going to you know launch this product. It's going to do great. But, you know, I think, I think you really have to understand why the consumer would want it and believe in it like 120% because it doesn't happen overnight. Um, you know, and I think that until you start doing it and you start getting these accounts and you're in it, you don't really, you don't really understand that. So if you step back and think, you know, is this going to be another extension of who I am? Like, you know, do I want that? Um, you know, and, and really understanding that it's a lifestyle. I mean, being an entrepreneur is, <laughs> it's a real lifestyle. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not as glamorous as it is from the outside when you look into the magazines and you see the entrepreneur with, you know, the bright red lipstick and the whole mm-hmm. thing, you know, I mean, there's a lot of grit and there's a lot of sacrifice that goes behind it, but that's not to say don't do it because, you know, I remember in the beginning when I would talk about, oh my gosh, I'm going to, you know, this frozen fruit bars and we're going to put them in all these stores. And I'm, you know, this is my vision. And I remember, you know, a couple really successful entrepreneurs that I spoke with and I could tell there was like hesitation of, you know, this is, you know, it's not as, you know, it's not necessarily as easy as it might appear to be. And um, that's not to say not to do it because you only live once. Like, why wouldn't you do it? Right. Right. (laughs) I am a, I am a huge believer of, you know, if you're going to go in for it, though, you better go like deep in and be ready to get committed. And it's not for everyone. You know, I think that sometimes, you know, I look at some of my friends and they're off work at five o'clock and on the weekends they can just like veg. Like we don't veg. Yeah. Um, and so, you I know, it's not days. for everyone. I know. <laughs> I look at some of these people, like we have a community pool here. And I look at some people and they just seem like so relaxed and they're like reading magazines. And I'm like, who has time to read magazines? Like, yeah. And and it's not even that I feel like I have, I mean, I do have a never ending to do list because there's always something else to read or investigate or research or do competitive analysis, uh, let alone all the actual tasks that need to get done in a week or a month or, you know, within your six month plan. But it's Mm -hmm. also like it, it just, 
it doesn't turn off. And so it's been a really interesting adjustment for me these past couple of months of switching it from side hustle to full time. And it's not even that, Mm -hmm. like we went, we went to a a birthday party last night and it was great to go out. It was great to, you know, get a little dressed up and have like a quasi date night and to see these people and have a good time. And in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, cool. So can I go home and go to bed now? Cause I really want to be ready to perform tomorrow. And I have this, I want to do and this and that. And Part of me was like tempted to ask Jesse if I could do work like on the way there in the car <laughs> just because I wanted to. It wasn't like I was like, oh, man, I have to do this now. Or I won't get done. It wasn't that. It was I still want to keep going. And it blows my mind how fast the day goes by when I'm mm-hmm. working on stuff, especially with the sun setting later now. Like I'll just keep cranking away before I could tell like, oh, it's dark. Like you should have a timeout and have a life. And now that it's not setting right. until later, I'm like, I need a new, I need to set an alarm to be like, stop working for the day. Like, this is it. Like, go do something else that's good for your soul. Otherwise, you'll become a hermit and never see anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But, you know, I think it's like, I think it's like joyful in a way, though, that you can like, you can gain and benefit from so much like joy that you're putting back into the world. I mean, I think that obviously you have to have some balance and fill that other bucket of, you know, not being selfless and, you know, doing something for your self care and things like that. But I also think that, you know, how amazing that you actually can enjoy and be fueled by something where, you know, other people are just waiting until five o'clock to get out. So, you know, it's, it's hard to see which one, which one makes more sense or which one's more, um, healthy. (laughs) healthy. Yeah. And I think that it's, I mean, I think it's pretty amazing though, because you have, you know, you have something that you own and it's yours and, you know, it's only as much as you put into it and it's something you can show for. And I think that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of power in that and a lot of power that like people have that they don't really realize that they have. 100%. And that's a great segue for me to ask, where do you put yourself on the powerful lady scale? Zero being average everyday human and 10 being super powerful lady. How do you feel today and how do you feel on average? Well, today I'm a little bit of a hot mess and I am, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm in mommy mode today. So, I mean, I would say, I would say on a day-to-day basis, I feel as a human, I'm very powerful. I would say like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. However, I think that, um, you know, I think everybody has, days where they're kind of up and down. And I think the the real, the real benefit to, you know, making that ball move forward is to constantly be, you know, if you're down one day, you know, you just got to keep moving forward because, um, you know, that's really, that's really the only way that there is. And so I feel, I feel without doing anything, like if I stop writing emails or if I stop, you know, it's only as much as you put out. And that's really what I feel. You know, I remember about like three years ago, I would be putting out LinkedIn messages like nobody's business, like Mm -hmm. 40, 50 a day. And I would constantly be getting pinged back, maybe 40 or 50 a day. And I'd be getting like two back, but that stuff like fueled me. And I was like, I'm going to keep putting out more. So I think that like the more powerful that you think you can be and you believe in yourself, the more 
the more will come back to you. And I think that the universe is just naturally, not naturally, it's naturally, <laughs> it's, nat- it's naturally going to give back because it works with you. I really believe that. Yeah, it likes when someone's willing to play the game. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yep. For the days that you're not feeling super powerful, what do you do for yourself to either honor that moment and like allow yourself to have um, a more like relaxed or self-care day or to like flip it around? It's like, what are, you, what are your secrets for those moments? I mean, I really think about... I really think about just the goals of like what was and where I like the vision of where I know it can be. And I think that, um, I mean, I really don't have like, I just feel like you go through like, not necessarily days, but you just go through cycles of like, I mean, I'm always in my high heels, so I I always look like (laughs) I'm on it, but you know, I mean, you go through cycles of like some days, you know, you get so much done and getting so much done empowers you. And it makes me feel so powerful. You know, when you have a really busy day, but you've outputted a ton and that's when I'm most powerful is when I'm constantly outputting, I'm checking in with people, I'm on it. And it's just like, how much can I get done? And that fuels me, Mm -hmm. you know, and then some days I have things that cut up the day. Like, you know, I have my son's you know, play or whatever, you know, I just have things cutting into the day. And so it's not that I'm less powerful. It's just that, you know, there's, there's life distractions in Mm -hmm. them. And it's not, not necessarily distractions, but there's things that cut in to your work, which is fine, you know, but I think that being, um, just being flexible and, you know, allowing yourself to take some of that time off, it's just hard to, um, you know, it's hard to do everything all day, every day the same. And I think that's uh, just dependent on how powerful I might feel Mm -hmm. that day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you find yourself when you're in need of self-care and you need um, a boost, do you find yourself going to a modern pop fruit bar to get you back to feeling good about things? No, I always feel good. And if I don't feel good, I go to the nail salon and I get a foot rub because I'm a foot rub. Like I've just, I love foot rubs. I'm like obsessed. I don't, I mean, I eat a lot of fruit bars and my <laughs> kids constantly consume them. But, um, you know, I think that as far as like self care, like I love getting my nails done. I love getting my hair done. I'm like, I'm like a touchy feel. Like mm-hmm. I just love, you know, getting done up. Um, and then sometimes, I'll try and do like I used to run in college. So I'll go on a run and that always gets, you know, the endorphins going and feeling amazing, but I'm the type of person that's extreme. And so if I haven't run in like a month and I go on a run, I run like five miles and then the next day I can't get out of bed. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I think that, um, you know, it's just about testing out different ways and, um, so, yeah, I think it's just, you know, a constant, a constant grind, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, for everyone that now wants to try a modern pop bar and wants to be able to follow you guys and connect, what can they do to be part of your community? Yes. So we are on. So I am Julie Podolik, P-O-D-O-L-E-C. And I'm on LinkedIn and I would love to connect. I would love to, you know, have you guys follow the journey. And I think that, you know, people really love to see the journey and see what goes behind the scenes. Um, So hopefully I gave, you know, a little bit of feedback there as well. Um, And then on Instagram for the brand, it's at the modern pop. And you can find the the fruit bars in 
Ralph's and Gelson's and um, Albertson's, Vaughn, Safeway, um, Mother's Market. I mean, we're pretty much we're pretty much um, East Coast, West Coast. So most retailers have it. We actually just launched as well into Target, CVS, and um, Walmart. Wow. So that's really exciting. That's and that's really all exciting. on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. We're really excited. You know, I think our biggest thing is we want to be accessible and we want to be priced at a good price point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that every single person should be able to shop for real food at a good price point. So, um, you know, we range from that $3.99 uh, to five ninety nine, and so depending on the market. Um, and so, yes, please go out and try them. Raspberry pomegranate is my favorite. It has the seeds. The tropical is phenomenal. It's uh, pitaya and pineapple. So pitaya is like a dragon fruit. It's mm-hmm. pink. And so some stores have, you know, different sets. So some stores might have three. Some stores might have six. Um, and then the avocado-based bars are going to be launching on July, right around July 1st. Um, so probably that first week in July at all um, West Coast, there's six different divisions, but around here in the LA area at Ralph's. Mm-hmm. And so we're really excited about those. So those will be on shelf in ju- early July. And um, on Facebook, it's the Modern Pop page. And we would love to support, tell everybody you know. Um, we're just really excited to to be able to be in the set and be a big player. Yeah, and I am, you know, every time that I hear what you guys are up to and how fast it's growing and that you're scoring these new accounts and that, I mean, it's just phenomenal to see the growth that you guys are achieving. And, you know, yes, you have a team and it's a smaller team and, you know, the energy that you are putting into it is so clearly being part of the success you're having now. So um, big congratulations to you and all the effort and passion that you're putting into it. Thank you, Tara. I love that. I love that I found you because I saw you on the profile and I said, oh my gosh, I'm totally reaching out to this girl. <laughs> but I mean, it's a huge asset. So I, I really encourage like everybody to be on LinkedIn and, you know, it's not for social media, but you can use it as like an eye into like who you are. And I think a lot of, a lot of people that start brands or start, you know, any kind of company, a big part of it is not only selling what you're selling, but selling yourself. Because yes. in the beginning, it's not about necessarily like the product that you're pushing, but like it's about who's behind it and like why you're doing it. And so I think people really need to encourage that, like, um, you know, branding of of who's behind it and, and branding of the founders. Well, yeah, because it's one of the key areas for your brand to stand out. Like nobody else has you. And if you are willing to lean in on that and and tell people the whole story, not just the story of a fruit bar, it becomes a different story. To your point before, there's so much competition out there for no, like anything you want to do. Um, even when I started Powerful Ladies, mm-hmm. I had a friend say, why are you doing that? There's so many people doing things like that. And I'm like, okay, well, they're not me and they don't have the guests that I'm going to have. And <laughs> even if they did, like... Maybe they don't want to hear it from those other people. So, you you know, it's so easy right. for people and it's not out of, it's always out of their concern for you to succeed and any fears that they might have. But, you know, there's a fine line between listening to yeah. the people and then just doing it anyway. Yeah. And I mean, I think that, you know, you know, your inner gut 
and you have to kind of go with your gut. And I mean, I don't want to say people want other people to fail, but you know, sometimes internally when they're not doing it, it's like, oh, you know, how could they be doing that? You know, but at the end of the day, it's not their decision. So I think you need to, I think you really need to like, that's the power of being a powerful lady is not caring. Like, I don't care what other people think about, you know, my videos or like, I mean, of course you care, but when you kind of put yourself out there, good or bad, people are going to watch. And so I always think better to get stuff out there than to put nothing out because you're fearful of what other people are going to think, right? And and it's sometimes good to have people think negatively, you know, and talk negatively. You know, any talk, any press, I'm always like, oh, it's good press, you know. So I think that, yeah, and so many people are fearful of what others think. And that's, you know, that's I think it's really sad. Well, um, yeah, you can't be afraid of it. To your point, like it's hearing positive um, feedback and critiquing feedback. You want all of it because it allows you to say, do I want to believe it or not? Do I want to edit what I'm doing or not? And to your point, the sooner you put things out there, the sooner you can make them better. Like there's no way that the first Mm -hmm. thing you do is going to be the best thing that you can do. Like you have to just put it out there and make some mistakes and keep going and learn. And you said it before, like fail fast. Like you want to get those things out of the way and be really aware of what the people who you need to run your business are saying, like listening to a vendor or listening to one of your, you know, sales partners is going to be way more valuable than listening to somebody who's not in the business at all. Um, so just knowing like, yeah, so I mean, it's, it's taking, taking the right advice. And I mean, I think it's good to hear all different types of opinion, but I think Mm -hmm. that, you know, the weight in which they carry is a lot different depending on who they are. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I love, um, Benet Brown when she says, you know, she decided she no longer takes advice from somebody who's not, um, living a life like she wants. And I'm like, all right, Mm -hmm. that's a good place to come from because, you know, it's way more impactful to be, in my opinion, taking advice from the women and, and people on this podcast because they're out and they're playing and they're playing big and they're they're on the court and in the arena versus the people who are, you know, for whatever reason. And just observing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's way more fun to just play. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that idea. I never, yeah. I mean, because most people will sit and watch and like they want to chit chat and talk about, you know, the game. But if you're in the game, regardless of if you win or lose or tied or, you know, whatever happens on the court, you got to play. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's that type of person that, you know, is, is going to really step up and, and try their hardest. And, you know, if something doesn't work, they're going to try to fix it to win the game. Yeah. Well, it has been such a pleasure to talk to you on the podcast. I am so excited for what you guys have created. I know. I don't want it to end. I love you guys. (laughs) This is like so much fun. I love talking about it because now I feel, now I feel powerful. Like now I feel like I'm ready to go do something big because, you know, a lot of it is just like reanalyzing everything and putting it out there and talking about it because how often, you know, do I sit there and talk about it? So I really appreciate you guys having me on and um, yeah, I just, uh, I really enjoyed it and Thank you so much. I love how excited Julie is about her company, their product, and that her enthusiasm is contagious. Thanks to her and her LinkedIn technique, 
I've cold messaged women who have said yes to being panelists at Powerful Ladies events and to be guests on the Powerful Ladies podcast. Every time a yes comes back, I can't believe it, and I do the Love Actually Happy Dance, you know, where Laura Linney dances when the hot guy from work comes back to her place. Julia's proof that being bold and sharing nonstop are two of the most important things you can do as a business owner. To connect with, buy some delicious fruit bars and support Julie, you can visit their website, themodernpop.com, connect on LinkedIn at Julie Podolik, follow The Modern Pop on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also email her, julie at themodernpop.com. If you'd like to support the work that we're doing here at Powerful Ladies, there's a couple of ways you can do that. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Leave a review on any of these platforms. Share the show with all the powerful ladies and gentlemen in your life. Join our Patreon account. Check out the website, thepowerfulladies.com to hear more inspiring stories, get practical tools to be your most powerful, get 15% off your first order in the Powerful Ladies shop, or donate to the Powerful Ladies One Day of Giving campaign. And of course, follow us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. For show notes and to get the links to the books, podcasts, and people we talk about, go to thepowerfulladies.com. I'd like to thank our producer, composer, and audio engineer, Jordan Duffy. She's one of the first female audio engineers in the podcasting world, if not the first. And she also happens to be the best. We're very lucky to have her. She's a powerful lady in her own right, in addition to taking over the podcasting world. She's a singer-songwriter working on her next album, and she's one of my sisters. So it's amazing to be creating this with her, and I'm so thankful that she finds time in her crazy busy schedule to make this happen. It's a testament to her belief in what we're creating through Powerful Ladies, and I'm honored that she shares my vision. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. I can't wait for you to hear it. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love. <laughs>